Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome back to church. Yeah, so good. We had our service online last week, and it's so good to see all of you back here physically. How many of you over eight during this Chinese New Year season? It's okay. Uh, don't need to put up hand. I definitely over eight. <laughs> really, it's like such a time to just makan, makan, makan. Um, but we are back on our Samuel series. Yeah. Are you ready to hear the word of God today? Come on. Let me ask. I need some encouragement, okay? Are you ready to hear the word of God today? Amen. Let me just pray and start, even as we move into this section. Heavenly Father, we just lift up this sermon, this um, sharing that I have into your mighty hands as we come before you. Lord, take over our hearts, take over our mind, so that we respond to you and in what you want to release today. And Lord, help me as well, Lord Jesus. Anoint my words as I share um, what you have put in my heart today for the congregation today. So Lord, I commit this time into your mighty hands. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Do you know we live in a world that people can get easily offended? You know, we're offended by what people say, what people don't say, uh, what people do, what people don't do. We are offended. Family, work, friends, you know, neighborhood, community. Wow, neighbors park their car, make my grass patch. You know what? Wow, you know, like they walk the dog, I never clear up after them. Wow, can have big neighborhood disputes over these things, you know? And government, oh my gosh, let's not get there, okay? Oh, offense is such a prevalent thing. You know, they say that people closest to us are the people that we get offended most easily. Um, you know, at home, wow, husbands, husbands and wives, wow, every time your husband says certain things, wow, can trigger us, uh, oh, Let's not go there as well, okay? Oh no, we will not end. You know, it is so funny because today I want to share about being unoffended. Wow, what a loaded title. But as I was preparing for this, do you know it's Chinese New Year season, right? I just got offended by everything. It was so annoying because I was wow, doing, I got offended by everything. You know, there was this day, um, we, we were in Telo Intan, then in Ipoh, and after that, we came home, and we were just trying to chill. I'm like trying to prepare someone. So I was on my workstation there preparing. Then my daughter was saying like, oh, mommy, um, I want to have uh, boba. I want to have tea life. I'm like, sure, have tea life. Go order lah. Then she ordered it and said, okay, mommy, I ordered already. I'm like, how come you didn't ask me? Like, I just got so offended while preparing a sermon on unoffended, right? How come you didn't ask me? She's like, oh, did you want? I didn't know you want. I just got so furious. Like, you know, you know, mommy, do this, this, this for you. Ah. Mom, we will always think about you. We'll... I went on and on and on. But you know what's the crazy thing? I really didn't want the boba. Like, honestly, if she were to ask me, mommy, you want or not, I would have said, no, I don't want because I really didn't want the boba. But I just got so offended. Really, it's, it's crazy. What offense do to us? We are surrounded by offense. And here, as we enter this part of the Samuel series, you know, before Chinese New Year, we heard Pastor Aaron and Pastor Wayan share on the Goliath moment. You know, the Goliath moment was amazing sermons. Both sermons was really so good. But this is immediately, we enter the passage that's immediately after David slayed Goliath. So he is, had this really high moment. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, um, we enter, you hear the, you read the first part of that passage is David slays Goliath and he goes into King Saul's presence. But shortly after that, of course, he gets recruited into King Saul's um, military, his army, and David was fighting battles to him in a short time. He did so well. He was successful in so many battles that he, uh, he fought that he went into high rank, high position in King Saul's army. But this is right 
this onset of what seemed to be him taking flight. Offense took place. Offense took place in 1 Samuel um, chapter 18. 1 Samuel, so we all can be offended. 1 Samuel chapter 18, let's read from verse 6 to 8. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and timbrels and lars. Wow, it sounds like quite a party there. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Oh, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Saul was so offended because one sentence. That's one sentence that offended him. Saul slain his thousands. David slay ten of thousands, tens of thousands. Is that true? It's actually true. So they actually highlight what happened. But he got so offended by this. But you must understand, this song didn't, you know, this dance, this song didn't just happen one time. It didn't happen one time, you know, um, because we actually find in um, 1 Samuel 21, in 1 Samuel 21, actually, the Akish, the king of Gath, and Gath is the tribe that Goliath came from. So the neighboring tribe, right, that they were with war against, this tribe actually said in verse 21, say, isn't this David the king of the land, isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul slain his thousands, David slay his ten thousands, but he didn't stop there. If you see chapter 29 of that same book, right, in 1 Samuel, they sang it again, and this time it's in the Philistines' camp, because that this is when David had to run away from King Saul, and he actually hid himself with the Philistines. But when he was with the Philistines, they actually said, isn't this David? They sang about in their dances. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So if you have it, if they had malls at that time, it will probably be the tong chang that we hear in all the malls. Everyone was singing this song and it was playing on loop all the time, everywhere, but that the neighboring, um, you know, tribe could know of this song. The other, like the other Philistine places, all knew. Their enemies knew this song. So it wasn't just a one-time song that they were celebrating. It's a song that they sang and they sang and they sang to the extent their enemies know it. And this is where every time, I believe, uh, every time Saul heard this song, Saul slay 10,000. Why? You see the second part coming up. Second part, David said, oh! The needle poked right through. Not needle, uh, stab, uh, stab. The gris, whatever. Um, the knife went right through. And this is the point that Saul took offense. This offense defined Saul for the rest of his life till he died. How did it define Saul? Don't get overwhelmed by this. I just want to show you a representation of how Paul's, uh, Saul, Saul's life transpired from this point. In verse, you know, we read it in verse, um, just now in verse 6 to 8, right? Paul took offense. And from this point onwards, when Paul took offense, he's, Paul, this is King Saul's behavior when he took offense. In 1 Samuel, like shortly after he took offense, his, he was so offended that he was disturbed by an evil spirit. And so David came in to worship for him so that the evil spirit would leave him. He took a spear and tried to kill David. But after that, the son came and asked the father, King Saul, what did David do to you that you need to kill him? Then he said, oh, he didn't do anything wrong. I will not kill David. You see people that take offense, right? 
they will actually go up and down, up and down. They go on this roller coaster of emotions and erratic behavior. But the next moment that David came and worshipped, he took the spear and tried to kill him as well. This is when David ran. In chapter 19, verse 12, David ran, but Saul chased after him. When Saul chased after him, Saul actually met the prophet Samuel where he felt the presence of God and he encountered God. And that's when he decided to go back because there was a new moon festival that was happening. When the new moon festival happened, Saul expected David to turn up. But when David did not turn up after the second day, and Saul found out that the son Jonathan allowed David to go back to his hometown, he was enraged to the extent he took his spear and threw it at his own son on the account of his rage for David. That is how out of his mind he behaved. But not only that, that's when David knew he had to run. So David ran and Saul, King Saul chased after him. And when he heard that there was this priest, Ahimelech, his household helped David and housed him. He called for this priest, Ahimelech, and killed 85 of the priests in his household. This offense consumed Saul so much that he killed 85 innocent people. But it didn't stop there. He went on to pursue David and look for him. And then he caught up to him. And this part, they were at the city of... Um, Af yeah, I, David was at um, Kila. David was at Kila. And he caught up all his... Um, and chased David to the desert of Moan and caught up with him. And this is the moment that he almost encircled David and caught David. Then there was news that came back that says Philistine has invaded their land. So he went out, chased um, the Philistines, pursued the Philistine, and after that came back and heard about where David's whereabouts was and ran after him. And near En Gedi, David and his men went into the cave and hide. And we have heard this story. When he hid in the cave, Saul went to relieve himself there, and David spared Saul. He only cut off a corner of his robe. When Saul heard that David only cut the corner of his robe, he wept and repented and said he will not go after David anymore, and he went home. But you see, when we are offended, that offense doesn't rhyme with logic. He knew David didn't do anything to him. But when he heard of David's whereabouts again, he got all his men, ran after him another time. And this is where in 1 Samuel 26, we see David and one of his men, um, one of his men went into Saul's camp where he took the Saul's spear and his water jug. And this is where, once again, Saul admitted that he was wrong. David had a chance to kill him, but he didn't. So he returned home. And just a few chapters after that, Saul got into a battle. Oh, but this is where David decided he would stay with the Philistines. So that it's difficult for Saul to have news on him. And Saul actually... Um, lost his life in a battle with the Philistines. And that ended Saul's journey. But catch this. What is my point of showing this? From the moment Saul took offense, he was called to be king over Israel. He lost his purpose, his focus, his attention. He lost everything. And he was just consumed by this offense and chased after David. All because of a song that when Saul slain a thousand and David 
10,000. How long did this last? You know, the life of David's timeline. He was actually, David was anointed um, anywhere from the age of 10 to 15 years old. Um, there's no clear record, but he was, yeah, uh, anointed as king somewhere 10 to 15. He also slayed Goliath somewhere 10 to 15. And, but what we do know is he became king at the age of 30 years old. So for a good 15 years to 20 years, Saul was on this manhunt for David's life. 15 to 20 years is a long time for him to have lost sight of everything because of an offense and ran after David till his life ended. And that's why, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 10, it says, and then many will be offended. And this is Jesus talking about the end days. Many will be offended. They will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Many will be offended. Jesus said it as well. Many will be offended. We might have situations where we are like Saul, you know, um, and, uh, and, and we have been offended by people and it made us behave different from what we actually want to because of our offense. You know, here really, um, yeah, it's so interesting because here, on the other hand, we have David. David, throughout the whole time that King Saul turned into this erratic, crazy behaving man, and he, he was like just doing all these crazy things to David, David was not offended. David was unoffended. Never once did you hear David badmouth Saul. Never once did you hear David say anything or, or even remotely indicate anything bad about Saul. David was unoffended. He had all the reason to be offended. You know, he was winning battles for Saul. He was like a faithful soldier that was like for him. He was, you know, highly, he highly esteemed Saul, King Saul as God's anointed. You can see he highly esteemed King Saul as God anointed. And he was willing to follow Saul, possibly even if it cost him his life. He would have given his life to King Saul. And the thing is, yet not only was he not valued and appreciated, he was unfairly treated and a manhunt was out for his head. Wow. But I don't know about you, but for me, I feel this is so crazy and mind-blowing that David was unoffended. How to be unoffended? Or we have half the things done to us. Uh, we will be so offended. David was not offended. He was completely unoffended. So it made me think, what is David's secret? How can he possibly be unoffended? And this is where, as I read through this passage and I prepared myself for this sermon, I found three secrets why David was unoffended. Are you ready? Here goes. The first thing is because David worshipped amidst evil. Second, David fought the right battles. He fought the right battles. And the third thing, he does not touch God's anointed. He does not touch God's. And let me unpackage this a little bit. What do I mean that he worshipped amidst evil? You know, David was known to be a worshipper. And David is the main author of the book of Psalms. He wrote 73 um, chapters of the book of Psalms and possibly another 12 more. She said that 12, not sure. But he's the main author of the book of Psalms. Um, and when he was first introduced in the Bible, when he is this shepherd boy that nobody even thought of, when he was called in, the next thing that we hear um, is he was a worshipper. 
because in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, you will find that King Saul at that point didn't know David was anointed as king, but he had an he was demon-possessed. Did you realize King Saul is actually a demon-possessed man? That's a bit scary. You have a demon-possessed man as the king of a nation. So he was, it says, he had an evil spirit that would torment him. And he needed worship. And really, when, you know, have you been in an atmosphere where demon-possessed and or someone is manifesting and that's demon-possessed? possession happening, you know, like you see all those so shows are exorcism and all that. I'm telling you, like, and of course in, in church, we have enough instances where people manifest. When you step into that atmosphere, it is a really oppressive atmosphere. You don't have to be near the person that's demon-possessed. You just have to step into that atmosphere. There is a real atmosphere of oppression over that, that place. And so, you know, Saul was demon-possessed. And when David was called in because he was a worshipper, this 10 to 15-year-old, we don't know exactly how old, but he was very young. He was only 10 to 15-year-old, you know. I also don't know what they were thinking, getting such a young boy, right, to go to this manifesting um, person. So when evil spirit came to King Saul, David would come and play his lyre. He worshipped in that atmosphere and that demonic spirit would leave. You know, I have a chronological Bible um, and in that chronological Bible, it actually literally lays out every chapter, every book in the Bible in its order, in the chronological order. In 1 Samuel 16, where this King Saul was manifesting, do you know what psalm is in this passage, is placed in this? Because it's the most, okay lah, I think it's the most famous psalm in the Bible, and it is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is actually positioned in the chronology of when Saul, King Saul, was demon-possessed. Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of that poor David, uh, is probably in the midst of this manifesting king that's violent because he's tormented. But you know what he said? I will fear no evil because God is with me. It's not a psalm just, wow, challenging time. He literally was faced in an atmosphere of death. Do you know in a lot of manifestation, death is a stronghold in that atmosphere. Worship was always present in King David. And because he was a worshipper, you will find as we encounter this whole manhunt that David went through, he had worship with him. You know, the interesting thing is when you read the Bible, right, as you, especially as you look through the psalm, at the top, there's a description of the author. Not every psalm. Uh, there's actually 50 psalms that is uncertain of who the author is. But in that, if you look at that, you see the author and what is the situation they were in when the psalm was written. And, you know, a lot of psalm was written during this manhunt. And, you know, when they, Saul sent men to go after David in his house, David actually wrote Psalm 59 and said, Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Save me from those who... Um, those who is after me, after my blood. You know, then when David was on the run from King Saul and he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, he wrote Psalm 34. Even as a madman, because he was on the run, he still worshipped. He said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed. Then when he was... Um, when the Philistine had seized him in Gath, he wrote Psalm 56. In God I trust and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? When he was in the cave of Adullam, and you know, he was so discouraged because he was sought after when he didn't do anything wrong, he wrote Psalm 142 and said, My spirit grow faint within me but it is you who watches over 
my ways. And when King Saul killed the 85 priests on his account because they helped him, how would have David felt? He went into worship. He said, he wrote Psalm 52, where he said, in, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. When he was in the desert of Judah, he wrote Psalm 63. He worshipped. When, he when he fled from Saul again in the cave, he wrote Psalm 57. He said, I will worship you among the nations. When he, you know, was at that last part of Saul's pursuit, he wrote Psalm 54. And he continued on in his worship. He worshipped and worshipped and worshipped throughout everything that happened in his life. He worshipped when he faced the evil spirit. He worshipped when he was unjustly treated. He worshipped when there was a manhunt launched against him. To be unoffended, you must have a heart of worship. In the noise and chaos that surrounds us, we, find our, we have to find ourselves in God through worship. The only way you can be unoffended, it's not the only way. Lah. Following David's example, the first thing that I see is we must have a worshipful lifestyle in order to be unoffended. Don't let emotions hijack your response. Saul had his emotions totally hijacked, but go into worship. Worship was the foundation of David's life. So to be unoffended, have a heart of worship. To be unoffended, fight the right battles. What do I mean fight the right battles? When David anchored himself in worshipping God, he was able to know how to fight the right battles. You know, like I said, we, we just came out of the whole Goliath saga. When the whole Goliath saga, right, he went to the battleground. He went to the battleground actually to bring food for his brother. Um, but when he saw this uncircumcised Philistine taunting the army of the living God, he was offended. David is a fighter. He's not just this meek person, don't know how to be offended. I'm okay, I just run. He's not. He's a super fighter. He saw this uncircumcised Philistine coming against the army of God. He was, there was a holy anger that came over him and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that dares defy the army of the Lord. But do you know, in the midst of saying that, what happened? His brother came. And what did he say? You conceited fellow. You have evil in your heart. You just came to see the battle. Wow. How many of you could have taken that kind of a com comment? You are conceited. And uh, don't take it for granted, you know, um, because David didn't bother with the brother. I tell you, have you seen sibling rivalries? Um, Sibling rivalries is the worst. You know, my kids, huh? my kids, huh? never mind, I'm not saying anything bad about them. Their friends can say certain things about them and they are fine. When they say the very same thing to each other, you know, siblings, especially if it's things that they have said about you before, they just have to even squeak that. In your brains, you will think all these things that your sibling have spoken about you and your rage is like extra, extra when it's accumulated over the years. So don't take it for granted that David, wow, he's okay, he loves his brother, he's okay. No, when the brother said, you are conceited. I really think uh, this is not the first time the brother said that of him. You have an evil heart. I also don't think it's the first time the brother said that of him. Do you know what did David do? David didn't get offended by Eliab, even though uh, he was very offensive. I would have really gotten offended, you know. Yet David just turned away and kept focused on fighting the right battle. You know, I really think uh, if David did not focus on fighting the right battle, uh, he would have gotten offended by the brother and now he has to justify. How dare you say I'm considered? No, uh, I will, you know, we will have to justify. I, I am here because dad asked me to come uh, and because the, I saw the fellow shouting, so I am wondering what, and he would have gone on to justify his, his action. He might have totally lost his Goliath moment 
of slaying the Lord, where he might have totally lost, not even just Goliath, his whole kingship, you know, because of offense. But because David was not offended, he went on to not just fight Goliath and win that battle, he fought many other battles against Philistine. And that's why he's known as the guy that can slay the tens of thousands. David is a fighter. Don't get him wrong. But the key is, David knew the right battle to fight. The people that came against army of the living God was who he fought. He did not fight family. He knew what was the right battle to fight. Though it was very offensive, you know, I wonder how many of us can keep our focus because we can easily get offended by what people say around us. We can easily be offended, especially by family. Um, and Chinese New Year, sometimes what family people say, uh, you know, have kept families actually apart for decades. I always tell my kids that, you know, and sometimes we have disagreements, you know, I've teenage kids now, we have this disagreement, I always tell my kids, you know, actually the battle uh, is not us, we shouldn't be fighting each other, the battle is out there, you know, and a lot of times the enemy might come and put so the thoughts, especially in younger kids, that, oh, um, yeah, you know, my parents do these things to me, uh. okay, uh, never mind, I wait, just wait, wait till I can get my independence, my kids never say this, okay, I will just preempt them and give them all these crazy scenarios, so I will tell them, you know, people will say, like, um, yeah, wait, uh, wait till I am independent, then I won't need my parents anymore, I can be independent, I can do what I want, that time, I will totally cut off from them, you know, I, I will... Give them all these crazy scenarios. I say, if you think that, you are gone. The enemy would have won. Why? Because you've kept family apart. And if anything happens to you, you feel you cannot depend on your family and you have to fight for yourself out there. Uh, mommy cannot, mommy and daddy cannot protect you. The family unit will crumble. Our battle is not against the family. You know, but unfortunately, the worst battles that we see around are actually husband and wives. You know, there are so many divorce rates. Families, children and parents, there are so many people that is fighting against each other. The fight is not against the family. We need to fight the right battle. Here, David turned away from Eliab and he said, even though he said something so offensive. I, I, I was so humbled when I read this because I would tell you I cannot. You want to, you know, find a fight with me, I will fight with you one. Uh, I, I'm just that type. You want to say something, say, come, come. I will fight you back one. Oh, but when I read this, huh? so hard. But David understood a kingdom principle of what it means by a kingdom divided against itself. You know, Jesus said um, in Matthew 12, if I can just show that first, it's not moving. Uh, okay, Matthew 12, it says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Why did David not want to divide the kingdom. He never fought Saul because he understood a kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city, every home, every household divided against itself will not stand. And that's why you see so many households not standing because they are divided against itself. Fight the right battle. Learn how to turn away when it is not the right battle to fight. And this is not saying turn a blind eye to sin. Not, I'm not saying turn a blind eye to sin. When you get offended by family, there is a way to address it. People, you know, when you're offended by people who are near you, there is a way to address it. But don't turn a blind eye to sin. 
Because when there are people that come against the army of the living God, that is when you must make your stand. And you fight. You need to know what is the right battles to fight. Fight against those that come against army of the living God. So to be unoffended, sorry, to be unoffended, to be unoffended, have a heart of worship. To be unoffended, fight the right battles. And the last thing is to be unoffended. Do not touch God's anointed. I'm going to touch on a sensitive topic right now. And this is something that can happen to any church, any Christian group, whether it's big, it's small, it's here, it's somewhere else. It can happen anywhere. You know, God's anointed today usually means a pastor or someone that is of high, um, high authority in a church. Um, so I'm not just talking about homes or anyone. Um, this is specific. David's um, uh, secret to being unoffended, this is specific to a leader anointed by God. You know, there are many people that have been hurt by leaders in churches. Some instances, there are people that totally walk out of their faith. They don't even want to be a Christian anymore because of an offense that they encountered with a leader and a pastor of certain church or certain groups. What a leader does not represent is that leader doesn't represent God. You know, God, men at best is, you know, the best of men is still men trying their best. It's still men at best. You know, and we know the Bible, it says we're all sinners saved by grace. Um, and so a lot of times people can fail, but too often there are too many people that's been hurt and significantly um, mistreated. Uh, but when I look at the life of David, David had such a high regard of who God's anointed is. Um, and yeah, when, when, and, and this is, you know, so I, as I look back into the uh, passage of what David, why would David have such a high regard of God's anointed? What went on within him? You know, because this King Saul, uh, he doesn't deserve it. He is demon-possessed. He wrongfully hunts faithful followers, really, like himself. He wants to kill David when he didn't even do anything wrong. He does not focus on building the kingdom. He's so distracted, but so easily distracted when he should be king. Instead, he go pursue someone else that threatened his position and, you know, didn't even do anything. You know, I cannot respect someone who don't deserve it. I wonder how many of us have said that. But not David, though. Not David. He had high regard for God's anointed. He didn't say, I'm also God's anointed because David was also anointed. And so Saul can step aside. It's my time now to shine. Um, David really understood what God's anointed is. And, you know, I really believe this is not because of Saul, because King Saul was such a good man, good figure to him. It's not. It's because David's heart of worship was, you know, within his foundation, had such a fear of God. He had such a fear of God. And so let me show you why David will have a perspective of what God's anointed is. When he was anointed as king, when David was anointed as king in chapter 16, verse 13, it says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed, um, and anointed, him in the presence of, uh, in the presence, sorry. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, catch this, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David had an encounter. The spirit of God came powerfully upon David. He knew being God's anointed is not just a decision that he made, Oh, someone came and do a show. He had an encounter. But it's not just David 
Because if you rewind a few chapters, in chapter 10, Samuel also anointed Saul. What happened when Samuel anointed Saul? When Samuel anointed he also took a flask of olive oil, poured it on Saul's head. This is chapter 10, verse 1. And then after that, in verse 6, it says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon Saul and he will prophesy with them and he will be changed into a different person. Then verse 9, it says, God changed Saul's heart. And in verse 10, it says, the spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. There is power when the Spirit of God come upon God's anointed. You know, um, and that's why he had such a fear of God, to not touch God's anointed. You know, I'm, I'm also a pastor, so don't get me wrong, I don't put myself up there while I'm like David, I'm like King Saul, so mega power and all that, okay. But, you know, I was ordained as a pastor in 2004. That was in, I think, February 2004. That was when I was ordained. And I remember very clearly when I was ordained, there was a transaction. It's, you know, I, I remember, it, it's, it's when, when you decide to be, take on this role, right? It's not just something so, but you know, I counted, but a privilege. But the key thing is, as I step into this role and I look at these 20 years of being a pastor, I'm like, wow, God, I cannot be who I am today. If I didn't have such an amazing God, seriously, I'm a brash, loud mouth. I, you know what you see is what you get. I think this, I want to tell you, make sure you know. I, like I said, you want to fight? Come, let's fight. Um, I, I'm that kind of a person, but I stand here today, you know, transformed, and I see the hand of God. Did I have that one moment, wow, God's anointing, I feel God's presence? Every now and then, you know, you experience that, but there is a work of God that I honour every pastor that is in our midst and in everywhere. And so when I hear there is pastor that's fallen, and all, it brings great grief. Because every person, every leader that comes into that place of serving God, that is a certain journey that they go through. And I want, and I'm still asking God for a certain anointing that will come. And so for me, even in this journey, I see the importance. Don't get me wrong, I'm not asking you, okay, people, hear this, I'm pastor, you need to not touch God's anointed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I reflect God's, there is something powerful about God's anointed. And that is a journey I've been through. There are two occasions. David could have asserted his justice for what has transpired to him. Not even revenge, you know. It's just justice to vindicate himself. But, you know, um, and, and the interesting thing about being offended is uh, those people that are offended feel justified to defend themselves. They feel justified to defend themselves. Even though David could have, everything was presented to him in a silver platter, literally. But he didn't. It was a cave moment in 1 Samuel chapter 24. David was hiding in the cave because Saul was running after him and Saul came into the cave to relieve himself. In that moment, all his men said, this is what God has prophesied about. He will give your enemy into your hands. Inikalila, you know, and, and, and all, you know, it's how hard is it? I feel if David listened to the voices of men, okay, Lord, God has vindicated him and is, this is his moment. But I really believe in that moment, the fear of God, remember, he is a worshiper. He had a heart of worship. The fear of God came over him because everyone said, this is the moment. He just cut off the rope, corner of the rope. But yet the fear of God overwhelmed him so much that he said no one touched God's anointed. He prevented everyone else from touching God's anointed. You know, God's, David's belief system is that 
he cannot touch God's anointing. Getting offended by church leaders can happen to the best of us. I have my fair share of offense as well. You know, so when I say this, I'm not saying, wow, I'm such a great person, I know how to not be offended. It's not. It's what I glean from David's life. And here, you know, um, I wonder how many of us have taken the posture of David where he don't even talk bad about his God's anointed. How many of us have not talked bad about our past, previous pastor or the pastor or the leader that offended us from whether it's the previous church, a favorite incident, or for that matter, desire, you know, sometimes we think, okay, that's why that person is like that. You wait, other people will do something. You know, David in this context did not even desire anything bad to happen to King Saul. He did not. Um, and, and, yeah. and so, you know, in the second instance, in the second instance, David was in the enemy camp. In 1 Samuel 26, he had a second opportunity to vindicate himself. You know, it's almost like, God, sometimes you test me, I responded well. Now, second time, and he was with Abishai, one of his mighty men. He went into Saul's camp, and he literally, Saul is right there, and all of them are sleeping. He could have just done whatever he was, and Abishai is saying, God has delivered him into your hands. But no, he only took his spear and his jug. The fear of the Lord prevented him from harming God's anointed again, and he said, I will not touch God's anointed. David right up to the end of Saul's life, he did not take offense to all that Saul did to him. He did not get bitter. Offense did not take the better of him. Offense did not turn him into a madman, erratic behaviors. David remained unoffended. And this is where, you know, I'm really coming to an end. To be offended, David's secret is to have a heart of worship, is to fight the right battles, and to not touch God's anointed. You know, in Luke 17, it says, Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a milestone was hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sin against you, rebuke him. So I told you, there is a way to do it. If your brother sin against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins again, seven times in a day, seven times he returns to you and repent, you shall forgive him. Forgiveness is key. Jesus gave us the answer to how not to be offended. I've come to the end of my sharing today, my sermon. And yeah, if the worship team um, can come up, I, I, I hope you are all still okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite a heavy, heavy duty um, sharing. Um, but this is really what I really catch from this whole season of David's life. It's, it's quite a heavy sermon today. Right out of Chinese New Year, right out of the pineapple tarts and all. <laughs> but I just feel today God wants to just touch us. It's Chinese New Year, yes. And that's, that's why I just, you know, I want to pray, but I want to, you know, I, as I prepared this, I was just saying, okay, God, I, I see this. I really am not keen to share on such a heavy topic right after Chinese. You'll be unoffended. But I feel um, this keeps just speaking to me. And as I did that, you know, I said, okay lah, Chinese New Year, God, I just pray a general prayer and let's not have, but I just feel God saying, 
that He wants to just work in some of us today. You are here today, not by coincidence. Yes, you're just faithful. You're just coming to service or you're just, whatever reason you are here, you are the people that God has called in here to listen to this today. And so there are two categories that I want to just give a call to today. In your own space, in your own time, the first category is family. You have been so offended by family and you see how this offense has eaten you alive for years or it could be just this Chinese New Year. It could be, I don't know. But God is telling you, fight the right battles. Your battle is not fighting family. Come before Him. It's tough because the people closest to us is the one that's easiest to offend us. Sometimes, you know, certain things our parents say. Just say, huh, you're not, you don't even do this so well. Um, again, uh, you know, like, wow, some of these things can just consume us. But come before God and surrender it so that God can help us to know how to turn away from some of this situation. The second category of people is people that have been hurt by previous leaders or pastors um, in whatever situation. They can be here, they might be here. But you're not, it's not about the person. You see, David, when he did not take offense, it wasn't because of King Saul, is deserving, is whatever, it's not. It's because of God. He knew his God. And so, if that is you, I just want to encourage you to worship right now. And just come before God. Come before God. So I do want to give an altar call for these two groups of people. But let me pray. Let me pray and end this time before um, I just, we, we go into worship and let's just even bring our lives before God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, Lord, you see us. You see what we, what goes on within our hearts, within our minds, Lord. You see how we look at people, how the voices of men affect us. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus, you come and take hold of our hearts and our mind right now. Lord Jesus, help us to be like David where we are unoffendable. You, that nothing can offend us. Lord, give us that heart of worship. Lord, that some of us might have lost. Bring us back to that heart of worship so that no evil spirit can torment us. Lord, teach us how to fight our right battles. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you will give us that fear of God to not touch God's so Lord, we want to just come before you and just ask you, Lord Jesus, come and take hold of our lives, our minds right now. Thank you, Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to sit down. And if you want prayer, please come. The pastors will be here. Let's worship God in this song. And um, yeah, just want to open the altar right now as well. Thank you, Jesus.